is Vic, co-host of Decades Apart, watching Decades Together, the podcast where two sisters, practically 20 years apart in age, watch shows from decades ago. This season, we're watching Seinfeld. Get both of our perspectives. The show starts now. Hello, this is Vic and Bob. You're listening to Decades Apart, watching Decades Together, the Seinfeld edition. How are you doing today, Bob? I'm doing really well. How are you, Vic? I'm doing great. We have episode four that we're going to be reviewing today. And this one is titled Male Unbonding. I have a few little facts to go over with you. The first one is that, and we mentioned this when we had reviewed the second episode, The Stakeout. This fourth episode was actually filmed after the pilot. The order of filming was the pilot, this one, male unbonding, then the stakeout, and then the robbery. The order of airing was pilot, stakeout, robbery, male unbonding. And a couple of things specific to this episode is that this becomes the only episode that does not have the word the in the title. The title is Male Unbonding, but every other title has the word the. And it was a decision that was made to not have to spend time to try to figure out funny titles. They Mm -hmm. wanted to spend time on the content of the show. So They tried to change it down the line, but they were unsuccessful in doing it and adding the word the. Little fun Hmm. fact for you there. And another fun fact is that we see the stand-up here. Mind you, this was the first episode recorded after the pilot. The stand-up ended up having to be recorded twice because the scenes in the first stand-up sections where Jerry's now it looks like he's in a nightclub actually was recorded where it looked like he was almost in like a church basement and it wasn't the right vibe. They reshot it so that (laughs) it has this red curtain behind him. He's on a stage and it looks more like a nightclub. Okay. And the third little fun fact I'm going to give you is that this episode is about jerry's childhood friend his name is joel the guy that plays joel actually auditioned for the part of george oh interesting yep didn't get it but ended up getting a gig out of it anyway we can hop right into this if you're ready yeah i'm ready all right again show opens jerry's doing his stand-up he's talking about men and tools and this shifts into a scene where george and jerry are waiting for the elevator and george is beating himself up for saying he said he thinks he said too much to a girl he tells this story where he accidentally pulled out a string of floss from his pocket and he was embarrassed to counteract that he tells this girl that he likes her and this is all occurring in the lobby of Jerry's apartment. Jerry has dry cleaning in his hands. He's got mail. You can see apartments that are labeled like 108. So they're on the first floor and then they enter the elevator and they go up to the fourth floor. And here's where we find out that Jerry lives on the fourth floor. His apartment number is 411. 
the thing that kind of came into my mind just during this scene was how long it would have taken that robber to <laughs> get all that stuff out. Yeah, all the way down to the from and the fourth the, floor. And the elevator was not fast because George was able to tell his entire story as they were going up to the fourth floor. That's true. One little thing that I picked up on the background because they get up to their fourth floor apartment. Jerry enters. He puts the key in the door. He asks. He asks George actually, which I thought was funny, if he's sure that it was this he, that he said too much. It was this dental floss embarrassment, and that he mm-hmm. said too much, or could it possibly be his neon blue fanny pack? Because George is wearing <laughs> a fanny pack now. Yeah, there's. You've never owned a fanny pack. I'm take. I take it. They are actually coming back in style, and I do have one. Oh, okay. they're like. So people will wear them actually across their chest now, not as like a belt. So they are becoming trendy again. I have seen across the chest. I was a proud owner of a fluorescent. It was like pink, yellow, green, all sorts of neon fanny pack. But I was also a child. So (laughs) you're like, so disclaimer, I was was cool. (laughs) So it was cool. Yeah. Jerry and George walk in. Kramer is in the apartment. He's sitting on the couch and he's on the phone. Background notes. There is that Yankees jacket that I picked out in the stakeout. Yeah. Hanging by the door. I have no idea where this Yankees jacket is coming from because you can still see his Mets hat on the computer. And again, we have to put our thoughts to when this was filmed in order. Right. Last episode, Jerry was wiped clean of his computer, his stereo, and some other things. But because technically this was filmed first... If you look in the background, his computer, his stereo, and all those things that got stolen Mm -hmm. are there. I just thought he went out and bought them all again, but you're right. They were filmed different. And that could be what they want us to think. I don't know until we look at episode five to see if they are in the background or if they're missing or if they're completely different because he purchased new. Yeah. But because of the way this was aired... At this moment in time, I'm going to assume that this was meant to look as if he went out and repurchased everything. Okay. Which then means he's super rich because not only did he lose, (laughs) we took a guesstimate about, in today's money, we're adjusting for inflation, about $15,000 worth of stuff stolen from him. He's now gone out and purchased about fifteen thousand dollars. So now he's like thirty thousand dollars in the hole from this yeah. event. <laughs> Kramer's on the phone. He's chatting it up, and he hands the phone over to Jerry. And it's this guy Joel who Jerry does not want to talk to, and you can just tell the disgust on Jerry's face as he's having to speak to him. Joel's pushing to kind of meet up. They finally set a date to meet. And as soon as they hang up, Jerry yells at Kramer for putting him on the phone with Joel. And while that conversation was going on, I did notice that Joel and Kramer. So like when Kramer was speaking with Joel first, um, 
that had to have been the first time they spoke because when Kramer handed the phone over to Jerry, Jerry introduces or explains who Kramer is. And then Jerry goes into explaining who Joel is, that they were childhood friends. And Jerry's like, you know, do I have to suffer the rest of my life because he had a ping pong table and I like to play ping pong and I was 10. He's (laughs) stuck in this relationship. He can't get out of it. And Kramer then is kind of explaining to him that it might be a good idea for him to call it off, break up with him, act like basically he's a female and end the relationship. A couple of things to kind of just mention in these scenes. Again, keeping in mind, this was the real first true episode that was filmed. Jerry has commented in life, in interviews, that he's a terrible actor. And I think it comes, like, you can see it here in the sense that he can barely hold his laughter back when he's delivering punchlines. (laughs) I didn't even notice that. Yeah, if you were to watch (laughs) this again, I really think you would notice that. But going forward, watching his shows, you will see it again. He will say a punchline And he will just be holding back a smile, a smirk, like trying to keep it all together because he he's not an actor. He's a comedian. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Kramer ends up getting a call on his wireless phone. Now, this is not a cell phone. It's a cordless phone in his pocket. There's a base that would be in his apartment that probably has like a 30 foot range (laughs) where it stays connected. Otherwise, if you're too far out, you won't get the call. But he picks up the phone and he answers Comerica Industries. And he's talking about this idea of a chain pizza place where you can make your own pizza. Now, my question I had to you was, have you ever used a corded phone? And do you remember a cordless phone? I don't think I don't have a strong memory of a corded phone potentially like when i was very very young we did have a cordless home phone Mm -hmm. for a bit um but i was shocked at how comically large the antenna was on that phone (laughs) it almost looked like that was the joke of the scene was like this humongous phone but i was like no it's definitely not the the joke that's just reality that is how large cordless phone antennas were And I would invite you, or maybe we can do a season of this, to dabble in Saved by the Bell because Zach Morris, (laughs) the main character, carried a wireless, I guess it was supposed to be one of the first, I guess, cell phones. And you should see the antenna on that thing and the size of that (laughs) thing. To kind of wrap up this scene, Jerry says his reasoning for not liking this guy and basically it's that this guy has no attention span they don't really have anything in common because they can't really get into good conversation Mm -hmm. um it goes into jerry's next stand-up scene about how you know how do you break up with another guy and then turns into monk's cafe where joel and jerry are sitting down for this lunch that they had agreed to meet at And in the beginning, Jerry's trying to tell a story. You could tell he's given effort and he keeps getting cut off by Joel. And Joel's annoyed that the waitress is taking so long to come to the table. 
Jerry starts bringing up ridiculous things like I'm moving to Iran and I was invited there by so-and-so just to see if Joel's even paying attention. Joel's not. He is, again, just very selfishly going off about his own issues with the waitress not coming in a timely manner to their table. Mm -hmm. Joel asks, once the waitress comes to the table, is this turkey real turkey or has this been processed turkey? She says, I don't know. And Joel starts yelling at the waitress. And you can just see that Jerry is mortified. And he decides to address his behavior. How could you yell at her like that? And once again, Joel changed the subject. Then Jerry presses on. Again, we're seeing class act Jerry's communication skills where he's (laughs) explaining to him this isn't working. We don't have anything in common. I don't think we should see each other. And his friend Joel starts just to completely break down, bawling his eyes out, really creating a scene, raising his voice, talking about how he's his best friend. And he always talks about Jer- talks Jerry up to everybody. Yeah, so- it was funny when he was like, I'm your best friend. <laughs> and then the more you learn about Joel, it makes sense. Like, yeah, this is probably one of the only people that hangs out with him. Well, Jerry's like, I haven't even been to your apartment. How can I be your best friend? (laughs) Jerry throws in there the line, the the famous breakup line, it's not you, it's me. (laughs) And Jerry ends up cracking under the pressure, saying, I didn't mean it. I'm stressed. We could still be friends. And you could tell that Jerry feels truly awful, although this is another part where he's saying lines and laughing. (laughs) If you were to watch again, but He ends up asking Joel to the Knicks game. He says he has two tickets, but this is the Knicks game that he was supposed to take George to. He smooths things over with Joel. Now, to me, this was a missed opportunity because, and again, it's a sitcom and we're looking for silly situations, but Jerry had gone so far into this with Joel. Why not just tell him what, at least what he's doing wrong so that he can make the proper corrections? Or at least try to. Especially because he did it in that very lunch. He was yelling at the waitress. He could have been like, what did I do wrong? Literally you two seconds ago. That's a problem. Yeah, I agree. Now Jerry's back into this situation where he started without any changes or anything that's being worked on at all. Right. I was surprised that that was a that he missed that opportunity since we've seen him so on point in all of the past episodes. The next scene, George and Jerry are at a bank. George is hanging on to this glass. It looks like a juice jar, almost like apple juice would have been in here. A glass jar filled with what looks like pennies. There may be a silver or coin in there or something, but it looks mainly of pennies. He's hanging on this jar. And Jerry's filling out a deposit or a withdrawal slip. Were you catching any of that? Yes, I have done that before. I don't know if coins are still a common thing with everything being so based on credit cards now. But it's also funny to hear you say it looks like apple juice would have been in there. I have never seen a glass container like that full of apple juice before. I think it was some sort of juice jar because it had the screw top that was missing. 
was gigantic and it had a handle. I could imagine it being like apple juice. That was the first thing that came to mind. (laughs) Did you pick up the fact that Jerry was working on a slip? Like that was a deposit or a withdrawal slip that he was writing. Yes, I have written about four of them in my life. And each time has been very stressful because I walk in having no idea how to do it. So I I did pick that out because it has been a significant experience. Do they do that anymore? Don't think so. Because you can deposit checks through pictures now. Yeah. Which I I just did for the first time a couple months ago. I can't tell you the last time I was in a bank. I have no need for it. Yeah. A lot of my banks are actually online banks. Yeah. They don't even have physical locations. They go in line and George with this heavy jar of coins and Jerry's standing there in line as well. George says that he got a call. He was told we have to talk. Jerry's like, oh, those are the worst words that you could ever hear. George is saying that they went to lunch. She was breaking up with him, telling him what's not working. And then George tells Jerry that he ended up sitting and eating for like 20 (laughs) minutes in silence. And Jerry said that he was basically impressed. Somebody tells you, get out of my life. And it doesn't affect your appetite (laughs) at all. (laughs) Then the... The idea or the the Knicks come up in in conversation. I think it was somebody in line mentioned, I think Ewing had gotten hurt and brings up the Knicks game. And then Jerry realizes that he has to tell George that the ticket is no longer his. And George just starts creating a scene because he cannot believe he's not getting to go to the Knicks game Jerry had really good seats, and now this guy, Joel, is going. Mm -hmm. They both make their way up to the teller, and the teller is telling George that she cannot exchange his coins and give him bills because he has to roll them. And he was like, what do you want me to do? Quit my job? There's like (laughs) 6,000 coins in here. (laughs) Is that some, was the coin star, like, pour the jar into the thing and sift it? Was that not a thing yet? That was not a thing. I... (laughs) I remember rolling coins with mom. I remember doing that. I did it once a couple years ago, and I'm pretty sure they don't take your word for it anymore. I think you have to use the Coinstar thing now. Huh. One thing I wanted to bring up about George in this whole entire bank scene. So the scene is where George is talking about being broken up with by this girl then he finds out that his ticket was given away so he's not going to the next game and then he gets up to the um teller and is told that he can't exchange his coins for bills i mean the amount of obstacles or bad luck or whatever you want to call it that this man faces is basically george's character like this is who he (laughs) is this one scene (laughs) defines who he is throughout the rest for the most part the rest of this show and it is said that his character is actually based off of experiences from one of the writers named larry david uh, That's unfortunate. Your the inspir- your life inspiration or the inspiration of your life turns into this character with really unfortunate luck. <laughs> with Larry David, he does 
uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's very famous as well. I think that's just how he, that's what he finds humor out of. We then move to Jerry stand-up. And then again, another scene where George is sitting on Jerry's couch and George is actually counting coins to roll them. And Jerry's trying to come up with ways to make it up to George about the Knicks game. Kramer comes in and he's talking about his pizza idea. Jerry and George are just bashing it. They are not into this idea at all. This is the scene where you can see clearly the stereo, the computer, everything is where it originally was. Mm -hmm. And there's another little uh, thing I want to point out is that Jerry has a poster of a Porsche in his living room. I did notice that. Yes. I'm not sure if you knew, but he is... He absolutely loves cars in real life. That's his hobby. He collects them. If you've ever watched comedians and cars getting coffee, it's about cars. They drive different cars. Again, there's so much of him throughout his apartment. Jerry decides that he's going to call Joel. He tells him that he can't make it and he's just going to leave the tickets for him and we'll call and just be done with it. Mm -hmm. Real quick before... We go past it. The make your own pizza thing. I don't know if this is going to come back or this becomes Kramer's thing. And I know they're selling it as this thing that nobody would want. Make your own pizza is actually something that you can buy an experience on Airbnb. You can go and do a cooking class or follow along virtually with a family in Italy. So he was actually way ahead of his time, Kramer. It was kind of a really good idea. And I just think that's funny that nowadays that would be a fun date night. I think that was a great idea. I do remember later in an episode, Kramer making pizzas. It does come back down the line. So the next scene we have is jerry and elaine in his apartment she's bored she asks him to let's go do something and remember this was originally the first time we're ever supposed to be introduced to her little things that i noticed on the wall there's this can opener electric can opener that's kind of screwed into the wall have you ever seen one of those used one of those no you basically it would have like a it would be attached to a wall you would put a can to it it had a magnet on it that would hold it and then it's electric so it would turn the can and slice the top off so that it would open the can for you oh that sounds nifty i wonder why we don't have those anymore he asks you know where do you want to go he suggests going out to eat she's like i'm not hungry he suggests going to a cappuccino place he says they just let you sit there and i think I've had this conversation with you before. It reminds me of the great 90s and the coffee houses. And yes, where have all the bring that up. <laughs> where have all the coffee houses go? It was such a thing that we used to do. You would mm-hmm. go to a coffee place, you would sit down for hours, you would drink a coffee or a tea, you would have like a small dessert of some sort. It was just a, and it was open until 2 a.m. They would end the day or the morning or whatever you want to call it with closing time. The song (laughs) is like every coffee house you went to. And 
if you didn't want to do a night out at a, a club or a bar, you just wanted to hang out and talk with friends like this. This was it. Obviously, the show Friends is built around their coffee house. And I've, yeah. I think I've complained to you before. These don't exist anymore. I don't know why they don't exist. I feel like a lot of people would go to them. Uh, do you know why over time they have decreased or maybe they're just in the more populated cities with younger people? Part of me almost feels like the chain of, say, Starbucks. Hmm. I wonder if that knocked them out. But then Starbucks closes at like, what, six, maybe the latest eight. Yeah. So you don't have that option for nightlife anymore. Right. Especially with coffee being so popular now, especially with Starbucks. Like I feel like Starbucks made it very popular because you could customize all these different things. You would think that the desire to be in them more would have increased over time. It, it was like a cool vibe because you would go. Sometimes they would have entertainment on a Friday or a Saturday night. So you're listening to somebody play music, especially when you're in college. You have all these ideas and thoughts and mm -hmm. things going around. And you just that's like what you're doing. And it was so 90s, I guess. <laughs> so now, 90s. Key question. Was there smoking in these coffee shops? Coffee houses. I went to coffee houses more often than I did bars and clubs specifically because of the smoking issue. So maybe there yeah. wasn't. And I was I was more comfortable there. I figured there probably was less because you talk about them a lot more than you talk about bars and clubs. Jerry and Elaine are talking about going somewhere. And Elaine says she has to check her machine. That was confusing. So you could check your voicemail on someone else's phone. You would take his phone, for example. She would dial her number. And then when the answering machine would pick up, you would type in a code. And then it would allow you into the settings of the machine. You could listen to the playback of your messages. That's wild. That sounds pretty advanced technology for the time. It sounds old, but also new. I don't know. The fact that you could just tap into your settings across the city. Mind you, most of the machines, I would say probably all the machines were actually tapes, cassette tapes in a machine. What? <laughs> there are cassette tapes in a, in a machine that would record your messages and then later on in life as technology advanced it became housed within your telephone company where you're just dialing into their hub to get your messages but yeah it would have been a, a tape i could have sworn at some point in the episode jerry listens to a message and i hear go or something like that did you rewind your cassette tape yeah <laughs> yeah and if your tape ran out you could not get a message left because you had no more tape and you would just flip it over and then use the other side of the tape. You would keep doing it and then the tape will get recorded on. You'd flip it over again, cord on. Wow. Uh, I do know that there's an episode later where George leaves some crazy voicemail and they have to go switch out a tape. <laughs> 
That is so interesting. So often you could think like if some if you send a message to somebody or call them and they don't text or call you back, you're tempted to say, well, maybe they didn't get my call. Maybe they didn't get my text. And the chances of the chances of that are extremely low. It probably got to their phone and they probably saw it. Back then, there was such a good chance that someone didn't get your message or somebody didn't get your call because they had no tape in their cassette player. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. As Elaine is checking her messages, she noticed this list next to the phone, and it's a list of excuses that Jerry had come up with, basically to use as a reference. He mentioned to George previously that he needed a Rolodex of excuses, probably so that A, he had excuses he could use, and B, that he's not repeating excuses for this guy. He's really, (laughs) really preparing himself now with this list of excuses, and Elaine's like, just deal with it. Be a man. He's like, I tried, but he was crying. As he was explaining that to Elaine, Kramer comes in and basically he's like, oh, you missed a great game. And he's telling Jerry that Joel took Kramer to the game. And in walks Joel. Now, mind you, Jerry has been avoiding him, Mm -hmm. came up with all these excuses, all this drama, so he doesn't even have to see this guy. And in comes walking Joel right into his apartment, and Joel sees Elaine there. And he was like, oh, okay, okay, now I get it. Now in his mind, he's thinking, Jerry's canceling on me because he wants to spend time with Elaine. Joel's like, well... The three of us can go do something. Let's go to a Knicks game. He offers a date. Elaine makes an excuse for both of them. He offers another date. Elaine makes a second excuse for both of them. And then he whips out a paper schedule. And he's like, well, 41 home games. I'm sure we can figure something out. And (laughs) he starts going through the list of games. And the last game that he mentions as he's reading them is the bulls are coming to town and who doesn't want to see air jordan michael jordan who doesn't want to see michael jordan a lot of these sports references go right over my head and i'm really glad that you comment on them because (laughs) otherwise i have no idea (laughs) i think what it at least for me being a (laughs) sports fan the idea that Michael Jordan's coming to town to play the Knicks. I mean, what a sweet, special moment, opportunity. And yeah, living through it, it was just a mention. It was just a, you know, oh, whatever, whatever. But now you look back and you're like, wow, if I could have gone to see the greatest, Mm -hmm. like how special. I mean, it's like a... A nostalgia thing, a looking back thing where you really appreciate what was going on in that moment, but you, I guess, couldn't appreciate it in the moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious to know, looking back when I'm in my 40s, what I'm going to look back on for this time and say, wow, that was so special. Yeah. Stuff that probably. What are they called? The unprecedented events. Everyone says my generation is like, we're just sick of the unprecedented events of just everything (laughs) happening in the world. I'm actually sure there'll be a lot of memorable points. (laughs) 
twenties. You'll have a lot to pick from. Yeah, they won't be as fun as Air Jordan, but Air Jordan <laughs> and coffee houses. <laughs> I have pande- pandemics and government shutdowns. <laughs> <laughs> The show does end again with his stand-up, as always. Back then, when you're recording in front of a live audience for a sitcom, do you can you do multiple takes? Or because you're in front of an audience, is it film and that's that? Like a one-shot kind of deal. You could do multiple takes. This is really not related, but related. My absolute favorite show in the whole entire world i love lucy Lucy. was the first live audience tv show that's cool they were very forward thinking they brought a lot of new stuff to television that's awesome i wonder at what point the audience is just doing a pity laugh because they know they need it for the scene but they've already heard it a couple times they would have cue cards or people that are trying to rile the audience up. They're telling mm-hmm. you to laugh. They're clapping to make you clap. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jerry's comic stand-up was to warm the audience up. Well, I do have another question for you about Seinfeld. Yeah. This show talks a lot about the charm of New York City and what it's like living there and how it can be so fun. How does that compare to your experiences in New York City? Because I know you've spent a lot of time there. But you're saying the show makes it seem, New York City seem charming and fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how I experienced it as well. (laughs) I, I was in college, freely running around. My friends and I would be just literally wandering around New York City just for day days just no time constraints walking to a cute coffee shop walking to get breakfast going to thai food everything you could want is there you want Mm -hmm. italian you want to go thrift shopping you want to go high-end looking you want to go to a museum i mean you really can just get lost in a good way yeah so nice Last episode, we talked about this being like quintessential 90s. These sitcom shows where it was single people living mainly in New York City. Mm-hmm. That's I, I feel like that's what dominated television. You had Seinfeld. You had Friends. You had The Nanny. Mm, I've seen that. Will and Grace. Yeah. I know Frasier was... In Seattle, but it was the same premise. Mm -hmm. It's funny because now a lot of shows are like Yellowstone and I can't even think of all the names of them, but a lot of shows are focusing on living in the Midwest or the olden days. But it's fun to know that the 90s was all about the city. It was. I mean, I guess Cheers, you could say, because Cheers was based out of Boston Oh, The King of Queens, one of my favorites, too, with Carrie and Doug. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Are they Um, in the city? Yeah, they're in Queens. (laughs) I guess that makes sense, yeah. (laughs) Another one is the, I mean, the Cosby Show. They were in New York, Mad About You. That was a couple living in New York City. 
living single. That's with Queen Latifah. Sex in the City, I guess you could throw that in there too. Yes, I just started watching that for the first time like a week ago. All right, well, I guess that's it for us today. We will do episode five next time. And I'm going to say bye for now. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye.